Hello, I'm Father Grant Naylor, the parish priest of St Matthew's Carver Street, and this is Coffee with Father, a weekly 15-minute interview with someone after Mass, inspired by the Word of God in 1 Peter. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, and this week, my brothers and sisters, I've got a very special guest uh, with me, uh, on the podcast, and that is my mum, uh, my mother, Marie Naylor, uh, and uh, we're sitting in the family home at the moment, uh, and it's great to be able to interview her. Now, as you know, I've been interviewing people in order to share faith stories, and one of the greatest faith stories actually in my life has been my own mother's, and she's been a great inspiration uh, along with my late father in terms of my faith development as well. Uh, so hello, Mum. Hello. Nice to be here. And uh, lots of people, of course, know you in the parish, uh, but some people might not who are listening to this. Uh, so we're looking forward to hearing a little bit uh, about your story uh, here today. So, um, Mum, uh, I know that you f- when you first came to St Matthew's, mm. and that was when I was licensed. Yes, yes, that's right. Eight years ago. Gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, a beautiful, wonderful day it was, and um, a great parish. So I think that that night you had travelled over on a bus across the Snakes Pass with some family members. Yes, yeah. Um, and from what I can remember, I don't think uh, Cousin Eileen was very good with the snake past while she no, the twists and was... turns. <laughs> yeah, it was really near the edge, as they say. <laughs> well, I'm sure the um the gin and tonics uh, which I had must have eased the journey on the way back home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Mum, what I'd like to talk to you about in this interview is really something about your faith and how you live that out, because I know that it's something which is important to you. But if we could start at the very beginning, um, what kind of household were you brought up in, in terms of, in terms of the faith? Like, what were your early years like? Um. Well, I was taken... Well, I don't remember, actually, my christening, of course, but I was christened Roman Catholic and um, brought up in the faith. Um. My nan, my nin, brought me up because my mother died when I was six weeks old, actually. And although there was still um, other members in the house, you know, my mother had younger family uh, that was still at home unmarried, so they all helped to bring me up. And I was taken to to church every Sunday. Um. My nan, as she got older, um, her sister, her great aunt, uh, my great aunt, she took me to mass every Sunday, and then we'd visit um relations. I'd come back with quite a bit of pocket money because people was very generous. And um, and what's that called in Liverpool? If if a family member's very generous to you and gives you money, you mug them. You mug them. That's something yeah. which a lot of people don't understand. So. In Liverpool, to mug someone is the opposite from taking money from someone is to yeah, give money to that's someone. It. Yeah, yeah. In our topsy turvy uh, culture here. Yeah. 
But, I mean, that must have been a very, very difficult time for the family. So your mother died and then, of course, um, my grandfather as well. Yeah. And so you were left as an orphan at yeah. a very young age. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Six weeks old I was. My mother died at 26. So, um, I mean, my sister and I were both... Spoiled rotten, I think, because um, the rest of me aunties and uncles all contributed with along with me nan, of course, to bring us up and spoil us and give us what um, we would have got off me parents. I mean, that's one of the things that I've always found interesting mm. in talking to you about your upbringing and also knowing... My great aunts and uncles, uh, there's only one of them left now, Uncle Joey, who's yeah. 90, 91. But although it was a very tragic start in many ways to your life, you did have the most wonderful childhood. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And would you say that the faith was an important part of that? I mean, growing up in 1950s Liverpool in Bootle, yeah. you said that you know the faith was still very prominent, mm. it was a big part of the culture. Yes, yes, it was. Um, and I always remember what... I don't think it, it happens now, but on a good Friday, you visited, I think it was five or six churches. I mean, we were surrounded by, and still am, even where we live now, surra- surrounded by lots of um, churches. Um, I don't have to... I could go to within a hundred yards for churches all around where I am today. So it's still very supported, you know, in all the parishes. I mean, one of the things that is interesting, <laughs> although I know that there's been a decline in attendance mm. in Liverpool, like everywhere else, but on the last census, Liverpool is still the most faithful city uh, on the islands of Great Britain. So if you exclude Northern Ireland, it has the highest proportion of belief, which I do find interesting. And that's yeah. a, a bit of a contrast to where I work now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love about, you know, your upbringing in the faith is that you seem to have both a seriousness about it, but also it does sound quite funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you be willing to share that story about the the priest coming around collecting on a Friday? Because there wasn't a collection in the Sunday Mass, was there? He'd come round collecting on a Friday night. I think there was a, cor- a collection of a Sunday, vaguely, but, I mean, being a child, you don't sort of think about it. But on a Friday, um, there used to be a person used to come, maybe a young boy, used to come in front of the priest to yeah. let them know, knock on the doors and let the, you know... Um, of course, he must have had a list who was of that parish in the streets. And he used to collect, and um, my nan had only put the tea out. Yeah, for all of the family. For all the family, which was about three or four, uh, who were still at home. And when they knew the priest was coming, they all absconded to the back um, toilet, back lobby in the... In the alleyway? In the, no, in the In the yard, yard. yeah. yeah. So they'd be hiding there in, yeah. in the yards. And then what would happen when the priest when would come in? When the priest come in, he's seen all the steam still coming off the dinners on left <laughs> on the table. And um said, oh, 
Is everybody not here? Um, no, I have to tell a little white lie, I think. And they said, oh, they've had to leave, Father. And she gave him half a crown piece, I remember standing, looking. Which was a good amount of money yeah, then, wasn't it? 50, gosh, he and he, anyway, he tossed it up in his palm of his hand and he said, um, oh, that's, a you know, more or less not enough for this side of household, although we didn't say it. But I think me nan read his mind and she looked at him quite stiff. <laughs> and he said, um, oh, I see you've had your hair done. But she hadn't. She'd washed her hair. She used to have the old fashioned done in a bun. And she said, no, father, I haven't had my hair done. And he said, well, our lady couldn't afford to have her hair done. And she <laughs> followed him out, showed him the door politely yeah. and said, and our Lord couldn't afford a motorbike like you've got outside. <laughs> so he laughed and went on his way. But so, yeah, interesting times. Yeah, it, although she was um, respectful to him, she almost told him off. Like, <laughs> And didn't you say that you had an interesting first doll that was put into the beds with you as a child from uh, one of your aunties? Of course, and it was. Yeah. Um, it was the child of Prague. The child of Prague. Yeah, and um, so was this a cuddly dolly, like a soft toy, or no? It was a statue. <laughs> it was about a foot or more high. Yeah. And my cousin Irene was obsessed with this. She used to stand on the tall boy, and um, when she'd be, oh, do you want to go to bed? She'd put her hands out for the dolly as she thought. Yeah. But it one of its fingers was missing. And there was a wire sticking out. Right, and, okay. You know, I mean, she's a nurse now or just retired. But she, <laughs> no health and safety then, but that's what she used to go to bed with this statue of the child of Prague. There we you go. laugh about it now. There we go. Well, that's the faith, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, you've always got money if you put a penny under the child of Prague. Yes, I have one in my yeah. room. Yeah. Do you have a penny under it? 20 pence, actually, 20 pence. Yeah. Well, you'll always have that 20 pence, you see, so you've always mm. got money. Yeah. Um. Obviously, growing up, you saw the big changes in the 60s and you got mm. you knew the Mersey Beat. Yeah. So going down the cavern and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I was only 13 at the time, but I remember one time um, making off from school and we went at 13. But, uh, and so it was... I, the thing that I was amazed about the cavern is um, they only served... Orange juice, tea and coffee oh, yeah. in there? There was no alcoholics, no, no. No strong, um, wasn't licensed for things like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, growing up then you obviously got to meet me father. Yeah, yeah. And you married in 1968. Yes, that's true. Now... I mean, how big a deal was it, sort of marrying across the divide in that time? Because my father was obviously an orangeman. Well, not at the time, but he was um, swayed that way. Obviously, yeah. he had friends, which uh, he was Church of England. But we married in uh, St Richard's Roman Catholic Church, which was my parish church. And um, then bit of a dispute in the family over what religion the children was going to be brought up. So rather than um, cause any aggro, I just let them go Church of England's way. Mm. 
and how presto you ended up as a priest. priest. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But was that a difficult time, you know, with the two families at first? Yeah, at first, yeah. but I think, you know, um, there was more serious things, wasn't there? I mean, I, I may have lapsed a few years myself, but I did always have my faith. Um, yeah. What was it? I mean, do you feel in any sense, because obviously there was sectarianism, you know, even in the families then. Yeah. And in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. But it was very much your generation that put an end to that. I mean, do you feel, yeah. in a sense, any sense of pride about that? You know? Yes, I do. And I think it was Archbishop... Um, Warlock. Warlock. And David Shepherd. And Bishop David, David Shepherd. They, they sort of... Oh, they was fantastic. Two men who um, seemed to combine, you know, come together, you know, and... I was I was looking at that memorial a few months ago to the mon mm. uh, in Liverpool, the street that connects the Anglican and the Roman Catholic Cathedral mm. is called Hope Street, is, yeah. and halfway down they have a memorial which is beautiful. It's two doors yeah. to Archbishop Warlock and Bishop David yeah. Shepherd. And Bishop David Shepherd, of course, was the international mm. cricketer, yeah. and so he's got the golf the the mm. uh, cricket ball at his feet. Mm. But one of the lovely things uh, about them is a little joke that I heard about them the other day. Mm. They said that Archbishop Warlock and David Shepherd were like fish and chips. Do you know why? Because fish and chips always go together. Mm. They were never apart. Oh. And they were always in the papers. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. I quite like that. That is, yeah, very apt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously you're, you've had you've had five boys. Mm. Um, no girls, sadly. No, no, no girls, but two granddaughters. Yes. Mm. And and grandchildren, grandsons, obviously, and, and mm. also great-grandson. Great grandson, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of where you are in your faith now, I mean, Dad mm. passed away in 2008, and, I mean, he had his faith as well, which was strong, oh, yeah, simple, but I remember, yeah. you know, he, him teaching me always, how to pray. He always said his prayers of the night, yeah, every night. Did you ever... Mm. I mean, was that a source of strength, do you think, in your marriage, the fact that you both had faith? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. You know, we, we never crossed one another from about each other. We might have sort of bantered, but it never was bitter or anything. No. I remember there'd be quite a bit of banter around the 12th of July, yeah, the Battle of yeah, the Boys. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And I think uh, St. Patty's... Patrick's Day was another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, well, that's what it was—the orange and the green, as they say. Absolutely. That's I was mm. whenever I hear that song, I always think that it was written for yeah, us. Yeah, it was written. Yeah. When um, when my dad died, I was remember uh one of the, slightly amusing moments. Mm. was when we were in this very room, because in Liverpool you mm. often you bring the body home, and so my dad was yeah. laid out in the front room, and just before the funeral director came to put the lid on the coffin, mm. you said to me, gather up the mass cards. I don't know if you mm. remember this. And as Roman Catholic friends, of course, they'd have masses set for a soul, and mm. the tradition is to put the mass cards in the coffin, because you yeah. present them to St Peter. The lid was then put on the coffin... And then his orange sash was laid over the top. 
and me and my brothers, we carried the coffin. And as I was carrying the coffin, I couldn't help but have a smile on my face to think what God can bring together. There was his orange sash on top of the coffin. Yeah. And there inside the coffin was the mass cards. Mm. Um, yeah. So it was interesting. How did faith help you during that time of bereavement? Well, people get angry. Um, I know when my dad first was diagnosed with cancer, he was angry. But I think um, he went back to church, you know, that every Sunday he'd go back to the church where he went as a child. St Paul's, wasn't it? The Anglican Parish in Cape It was the same pastor there that when he was a... Mm. Mm. And he, he was very nice. Um, Mr Lane, I think he was named. Yes, or... yeah. He'd been the offer yeah. to turn pro for Everton, hadn't he? But he wouldn't play on Sundays. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was a, a great time. I think, you know, I'm not saying a great time. When... But he did, did grow, didn't yeah, he? Even though he was dying, yeah. I found he grew spiritually. Oh, it was, gosh, yeah. You know, it's like as if he got in in a strength from somewhere and... Seemed to come to terms. He seemed to appreciate everything. Remember, um, Liverpool one, just opened, and he was like an ambassador for all the, the new, new shops things in the city. And, you yeah. know, yeah. Well, I mean, I, my father was, mm. he was heavily involved in the boxing game, and yeah. so. I mean, he would be an ambassador for things, wouldn't it? Whether it be the city oh, yeah. or boxing, I was he could he seemed to be able to. Yeah. Um, I suppose the proverbial thing is to sell sand to mm, people yeah. who live on sand. But yeah. um, my father was uh, was somebody who's <laughs> always a great sort of ambassador yeah. for and things he, like he that. He was greatly respected by the young boys. I mean, many times they'll, I could be walking along and someone say, "Hello, Mrs. Naylor." And I look, you know, and I think, gosh, you know, and they, they'll say the name or something. And, you know, remember your dad. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he was very good with them. So yeah. when he passed, did you find yourself relying on your faith? Yes, yes, I did. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we had a lot of masses said for your dad, even from families, and I'd try and attend all those masses because I think it means a loss. I'd have a mass said just for somebody, go and attend that mass and offer your prayers up for the soul or any intention that you've had the mass said for, whether to get through a, an operation or a time of need, you know. So I've always done that come to mass one of the things that has always impressed me about your devotional life and i don't mean to embarrass you here but mm. is you do have a very powerful ministry of praying for people of intercession mm. yes, and you'll true. often have masses said for people and yeah i believe in prayer i think even you know it's stronger than i mean i'm not being disrespectful but even when medical, if they give up, I think, you know, prayer can get you through as well. You know, um, I don't say have a medical, but sometimes it does happen, doesn't it? You know, 
when things have been diagnosed as there's no cure or something, you know, people can go on and get through things by prayer. That's that's really um yeah, I, I, I agree and, and faith, I think, you know. And I think to have that simple approach to prayer mm. is is important to just trust in God. Yeah. You are regular at Mass, but mm. you know, I'd say that the Mass is something which powers the rest of your life. You'll have lots of other interests. Oh yeah. Um yeah. what kind of things are you interested in? You know, now now you're retired. So you like, I mean, I know that you you obviously, like all ladies, like to do a good bit of shopping. Yeah, but we, we like to, I, lo- I love to travel and, you know, even surrounding areas or sometimes we'll go, you know, across the water to the other side of the Mersey and there's nice parts, West Kirby. No matter even if it's not the height of the summer, we'll go down near the, the water, I think. Yeah. It's a drawer, isn't it? You know, yeah, I think when yeah. you used to live in near the water, I do love it. And I've got another friend that's near Crosby, well, Blundell Sands, where the Iron Men are. The Iron so Men, another place. Another place, yeah. Anthony Gormley's statues. That's right, yeah. And of course, Southport. We've been to Cleveland this summer, uh, just before Blackpool and Fleetwood. And you've travelled yeah. to some more exotic places this year and you're about to go on a big trip, aren't you? So where, yeah. where, where have you been this year on your dollies? Um, Australia, Perth. I went to visit my granddaughter. And you went with a member of the Congregation of St. Yes. Matthews, didn't you? Yes, yeah, Christine. Christine, Christine Sainer. We stayed with her daughter and her son-in-law and her grandson. I heard that they had a gin shortage in Australia after Definitely, that. yeah, there is a drought. <laughs> They're all making their own now. <laughs> and uh, we travelled to Knock. Oh, that was um, wonderful. In April. And that, that was partly, I suppose, in a sense to uh, make that pilgrimage where your own mother had made the pilgrimage yeah, after she'd been yeah. to Knock. It was another box to tick. Yeah. For me, and it was something I thought I'd never do, only for yourself. It was one of your treats. But it was so wonderful to watch you say the Mass in the Church of the Apparition. Mm, that uh, was a great joy and a great privilege. It was lovely, and to say the Stations of the Cross, uh, it was just wonderful. So I would recommend Experience. to any of our oh, listeners to go to Knock actually because it's a beautiful shrine. Wonderful place and lovely people. So just a joy to be be there. And you've got a trip coming up soon? Yes. Um I will be going on the Queen Mary too. Um journeying with my friend Joan, who I've known many, many years. She's been a really good friend and we're going to New York. That's fabulous. Yeah. So Mum, I think you've got a better social life than me. Uh so <laughs> but it's a sin to envy, isn't it? So hope that yeah. you have a good uh, No, you don't envy love. A good a good time on that one. Oh yes. Mum, one of the things that um I forgot to ask actually earlier was yeah. uh because this is normally over coffee, this podcast after mass is after ask tea or coffee. 
So what? Coffee. Coffee. Mm. And you never have tea, do you? No, no, no. It's always co- tea, always yeah. coffee. Yeah. But you're not a fan of Costa. No. I think they stew the, the coffee. So I hope no one's listening from Costa, or I'll be banned for life. Yeah, absolutely. You could be getting done for defamation. <laughs> um, but you. Mm. I know that uh, hospitality is important to you, and I know that you know whenever I come here, I always come and get a good feed, and mm. you always seem to have a Sunday dinner where anybody could come through the door really and be fed. Mm, yeah, so no, I do without myself and put a plate up for somebody else. That's is that something that comes from you from your younger days? Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, you know, sit somebody down and make them. Welcome, feed them. That's what we like. Yeah. Then charge them £2.50 a <laughs> So I'll get the bill afterwards, will I? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and mum, the final thing that I ask people uh, in this podcast, we've gone way over the 15 minutes, but that's just because we're both too Gabby, really, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, um, in the jeans. But I want to ask you now, what difference does receiving the Blessed Sacrament, receiving the Eucharist at Mass, make to your life? So you go to Mass, you receive the Holy Eucharist within you. What difference does that make to your I life? I just feel fulfilled. You know, I it is a food to me. I just feel fulfilled. And especially when I go to confession, it, it just just feel lighter and cleansed and I don't know it's just just I don't know I don't know how to say it but mm. I feel you know and receiving the sacraments just a wonderful thing um, that's great yeah well I think you've said it all there and thank you ma'am for this time and uh, I'll just give you God's blessing May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.